Hello and welcome to the latest Bicom podcast. I'm Richard Pater, the director of Bicom, and today is the 7th of June 2022. I'm delighted to say that we're joined today by Dr. Michael Milstein, who is the head of the Palestinian Studies Forum at the Moshe Dayan Center for Middle East and African Studies at Tel Aviv University. He is also a senior researcher at the Institute for Policy and Strategy at Reichman University. Um, Dr. Milstein, thank you very much indeed for joining me. Thank you, Richard. Um, I should also add that prior to his uh, academic career, um, Dr. Milstein also was a, is a colonel in the IDF reserves. And amongst his various uh, uh, positions there, he was the head for the Department of Palestinian Affairs in military intelligence. So I think there can be no better person to speak to when we look at general Palestinian affair issues, um, kind of going around both from Gaza and the, and the West Bank. Um, but perhaps we could start um, and look back to, to last Sunday and, the, uh, and, and the, what was the March of Flags in Jerusalem. We heard some pretty harsh rhetoric coming from Hamas. They also uh, test-fired rockets into the Mediterranean um, and threatening another round of hostilities. Thankfully, that didn't come around. But how close do you think we came to an escalation? Well, I, I assess, uh, uh, Richard, that in the last two, for the last two months, here in Israel, we are in the same circle, in the same dynamic. We uh, always find ourselves in a fear from uh, escalation, but in the, in the end of the day, actually, nothing is really happening and, and there is no broad uh, escalation. And, then I'm, and when I'm trying to, to uh, analyze and uh, explain what, what is happening, actually, the most conspicuous answer, uh, source for this uh, uh, phenomenon is uh, Yichy Sanwar's decision. Actually, Yichy Sanwar, the head of Hamas uh, in uh, Gaza Strip, is the one who decides uh, uh, not to promote any escalation because of uh, developments and riots in, in Jerusalem. And uh, the, uh, the uh, background uh, for his uh, decision is that he has a lot of, of economic civil achievements in Gaza and he doesn't want to, to risk them. He doesn't want to sacrifice them. And he also assessed that Israel is quite tense during the last uh, uh, month, the last two months. So it's not the appropriate time to promote escalation against uh, Israel. And uh, therefore, I, I, uh, can, uh, I can describe the current situation as a joint interest of both Israel and Hamas and also the PA. Uh, in keeping the, the situation uh, in the Palestinian arena calm and to prevent right now, uh, at the moment, uh, any, any kind of escalation, mainly an escalation that will include Gaza and that will uh, promote both sides to a broader uh, conflict between them. Um, I mean, do you think it's accurate to kind of to depict the, uh, the, the Hamas calculations that they're keen to kind of to raise the level of incitement um, inside Jerusalem, in the West Bank, and even in the mixed cities around, around Israel? But for those reasons you mentioned, um, for the economic uh, viability of Gaza, not to start firing rockets. Do you think that's a, that's a, that's a reasonable assessment? Um, and how would you kind of assess that threat going forward? Yeah, I, I think it, it, it's it's the correct uh, it's the correct way to to describe uh, the current situation, Richard. I think that right now, Yehi Sanwar, Hamas in Gaza, promotes a very clever, very complex equation uh, uh, toward Israel, which, on the one hand, uh, 
promotes uh, incitement, promotes terror uh, in the West Bank, in Jerusalem, even in the Arab sector in Israel. But on the other hand, keeps Gaza uh, a very calm uh, arena uh, with no, no clashes, no rockets, no shooting, nothing. And I think that uh, Iris Anwar is actually trying to enforce uh, such an equation in Israel uh, that will uh, focus uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, principle of jihad, of Mukawama, only, only in the area of the West Bank, but not mm. in Gaza. And I think that this, uh, this behavior reflects a very deep understanding of Yichis Sanwar about the political uh, situation in Israel. I think that Sanwar really understand that Israel right now is focused in its uh, political turmoil, in uh, the Iranian threat. And Israel has a very deep aspire to keep the Palestinian arena calm. And therefore, he understands that he can uh, promote, he, he can even enforce an equation that, 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 can, uh, that will focus uh, only in the West Bank and Jerusalem and uh, leave, leave Gaza uh, calm and even give him the, 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 uh, the uh, ability, the capability to promote uh, uh, civil moves. Uh, in Gaza and to improve the civil situation uh, in Gaza. Very interesting. Well, we'll come back to kind of some of the uh, the domestic issues uh, shortly. But just, I mean, the, the emphasis you put on Yechia uh, Sinwar is, is interesting. Could you just kind of elaborate a little bit on where the, the power structure between um, the political wing of Gaza, the military wing, and the, uh, and the kind of the, the external political bureau that sits outside of Gaza. How do these kind of these, these, these power structures relate to each other um, and, uh, and affect kind of decision-making for Hamas? Well, basically, uh, Richard, I think that, the, you know, uh, describing military wing and political wing in Gaza, it's, it's a myth. It's a me image that was created by Hamas in order to uh, screen a very, a very twisted picture in the eyes of the uh, of the world, in the eyes of Israel, right now, Yehi Sanwar, uh, he, you know, he is not taking alone all the decisions in Gaza in, in uh, Hamas, but he is a very prominent voice. He's a very prominent player in the decision making in Hamas. Of course, there are institutions that he must take in consideration, such as the uh, Majlis, the, the Shura Majlis and the players like uh, Muhammad Def, the head of the military wing, wing of, uh, of uh, Hamas in Gaza. Uh, he, and he's not uh, uh, taking, uh, uh, as I described it, alone all the decisions. But he, he actually succeeded to enforce his ideological, his political uh, uh, way on, the, on, the, on Hamas. And today in Gaza, he's the most prominent uh, player and there is an impact of the outside leadership. Uh, for example, Ismail Haniya and Khaled Mash'al and even Saleh Aruri, they're responsible mm. for uh, Hamas activity uh, in the West Bank, but it's much more limited comparing to the, uh, to the uh, uh, influence of uh, Yihye Sanwar, which in the same time, he's a military uh, leader and he's a political leader and he's also a ideological leader and uh, all you know, all the, the attempts to uh, to uh, screen uh, a, a picture that is uh, splitted between uh, between all those wings. I think it's 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 uh, um, actually a very twisted way to to describe uh, Hamas today. 
Hmm. Um, I mean, one of the key players, whenever there is kind of the concern of an escalation between Israel and Hamas, is the role that Egypt plays as a, as a mediator or as a, at least as a conduit to pass messages through. Um, Israel and Egypt kind of have, have extremely close uh, security cooperation, partly over their, their shared concerns over ISIS or ISIS affiliates in the Sinai uh, Peninsula. I wondered how much influence do Egypt have over, over Hamas and what pressure they can put on Hamas? Well, the relationships between uh, the, the current regime in Cairo and Hamas is a, a very complex one. On one hand, there is a deep hostility of the uh, of Sisi's regime toward the uh, Muslim Brotherhood, including the Hamas, of course. But on the other hand, the uh, current regime in Cairo really wants to uh, promote influence, uh, a very deep impact uh, on on Gaza Strip, on the whole Palestinian arena, and of course on Hamas. I think that today the Egyptians have uh, an influence on Hamas. Uh, we must also take uh, take in consideration and remember that they control the uh, Rafah border crossing, the the gate of Hamas to the world, uh, and they really can uh, can uh, uh, influence on uh, Hamas policy, but they cannot dictate uh, 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 their policy on Hamas. They cannot uh, order Hamas to do or not to do uh, things. I think that today the main role of Egypt is, uh, is imbued by exchanging messages between Israel and Hamas. Egypt uh, uh, does it in a very, in a very effect effective, in a very good manner, but it's, you know, it's not uh, a full or deep influence in Hamas. It's, um, it's quite limited uh, actually. Uh, and uh, today, the Hamas and mainly Yihya Sanwar, he listened to what uh, what are the messages uh, from uh, Cairo, but he's not obeying all the uh, all those uh, messages. Um, I wanted to ask you as well about another kind of I would say former ally of of, of Hamas, and that's uh, and that's Turkey. Um, we've seen a recent uh, kind of gradual rapprochement, a thawing of relations between uh, between Israel and Turkish ties. But one of the barriers seems to be that the, uh, the Hamas leadership operating from within Turkey. You mentioned uh, Aruri, who's considered the, uh, the, the the leader of the uh, the military the military uh, project in the in the West Bank. That's I just wanted right. to get your your assessment. Um, kind of what are the chances of uh, of Turkey um, kicking him out, kicking out the Hamas infrastructure? Um, and then um, will they just simply relocate then and, and operate outside of, of Lebanon or somewhere else? Well, I think such a, sen a scenario, uh, Richard, is quite likely because, uh, you know, in the top of uh, Erdogan's uh, uh, interests uh, stands his own uh, self-interests, mainly the, uh, the economy, which is in a very poor uh, situation right now and the uh, regional uh, strategic considerations of, uh, of Ankara. And I think that uh, uh, when, when uh, Turkey is trying to promote uh, all those uh, points, um, there, there is a chance that they, they will, uh, they will uh, limit Hamas uh, activity in, in, uh, in Turkey. Actually, they will follow the same step, the same policy uh, that uh, Qatar 
took five years ago in 2017 uh, when uh, Doha tried to uh, promote to improve its uh, its relations with Israel and also uh, expelled and uh, kicked off some uh, several uh, uh, Hamas uh, senior members uh, from uh, from Doha uh, mainly uh, Saleh Aruri and also limited the the activity of uh, Hamas in in Doha and I think that uh, it's it's very likely that Turkey will follow the same policy. Maybe it will not uh, expel all Hamas members from Istanbul and from Ankara, but uh, but it, it, Istanbul can can uh, expel a member, a group of them, and of course Lebanon, mainly Beirut, uh, will be the alternative uh, uh, site for uh, for the uh, West Bank and outside leaderships in Hamas. And actually today, Saleh Aruri, his main base is already uh, Beirut, is already Lebanon. It is not, uh, they are not, they are not uh, uh, the same conditions as in Turkey, but uh, it's, it's quite uh, a comfortable uh, arena. And I think that uh, in the end, uh, places like uh, Beirut, maybe even uh, Tehran, and uh, it's, it's less likely that Damascus Will be the sites when the where the uh, outside and the West Bank leadership will uh, act from. Thank you for that. If we can just turn now to the uh, to some of the issues in the in the West Bank. Um, first of all, kind of some in, inter-Palestinian politics. We saw the uh, recent appointment of uh, Hussein Al Sheikh as the new Secretary General of the PLO. Um, I wondered your your thoughts on how significant this is, and does this put him in a, a pole position to one day succeed uh, Mahmoud Abbas? Well, Hussein Sheikh, who is also the uh, minister for for uh, civil affairs uh, right. in uh, in the PA, and he's actually number two or number three after Abu Mazen in the uh, in the pyramid of uh, of the uh, the uh, Palestinian Authority. Um, I think that the last appointment uh, really improves his uh, status, the political uh, status in the PA. But in the same time, we must remember that there is also the point of his political image, of his, uh, of his sorry, of his uh, polit- uh, public, public uh, image and his uh, public uh, status in the eyes mm. of, the, uh, of the Palestinian street in the West Bank. And here we are speaking about a very problematic situation. His internal uh, public uh, image is very bad. He's being accused uh, as a very corrupted uh, leader, uh, a leader that uh, involved involves in in a, in a very negative phenomena like nepotism. And uh, I think that uh, if there will be a scenario that uh, that Hussein Sheikh will re- re- will replace Abu Mazen, I will not be surprised if uh, events like uh, popular protest against him uh, and, uh, um, and accusing him as, uh, as illegal leader will take place, mainly uh, by the uh, youth, by the young uh, Palestinian generation, which is really critic against the current, uh, the current leadership in Ramallah. And I'm quite sure that he will be much more critic against the future uh, regime in Ramallah, mainly if this uh, leadership will will be uh, uh, will include uh, leaders like uh, like Hussein Al Sheikh. I mean, I presume as well. I mean, Hussein Al Sheikh represents probably the best case scenario um, for Israel, um, 
or one of at least. But the, the last thing any Israeli can say is to give him the, the kiss and death and, and, uh, and endorse him. But I say that because he's partly responsible for the interface with Israel and, uh, and the security coordination. We've heard some recent threats from other um, senior Palestinian figures kind of pushing against to again to end that security cooperation with Israel. How realistic is I mean, I know this this threat kind of returns every mm -hmm. now and again and we and people yeah. call it bluff, but how serious do you think it is this time? Well, you know, I, I think from from the Israeli point of view, Hussein Ashok is almost an, an ideal partner. Uh, as you mentioned, Richard, uh, he supports the uh, political dialogue, he supports the ongoing connection, he supports the coordination, the security and the civil one uh, with Israel. And I think that there are also many Palestinians who really prefer that uh, these uh, this, uh, kind of uh, connections uh, will be preserved. I mean, the, uh, the civil and the uh, security connections with Israel. But in the same time, as we mentioned before, there are some problematic issues, mainly his, uh, his uh, uh, status at home and his, uh, his public uh, image, image that can uh, really can cause problems to his attempt to be the next leader, the next, the next race. Israel, of course, should not be involved in such a, such a internal dynamic, in such a internal uh, even clashes between rivals inside the Palestinian uh, leadership. And uh, we should wait and see what will happen and what uh, the Palestinians themselves will decide about their future and their, their uh, future leadership uh, in the end. Indeed. I mean, yeah. just, on, I mean, one of the other, I mean, the security corporations obviously of, of uh, supreme importance um, for Israel. The other approach that seems to be kind of reflected in the, in the, in the Israeli government in, in relation to the West Bank um, is this idea of, of shrinking the conflict. Um, how do you assess its implementation over the last year? Um, has it been a success and when will it continue? Well, first of all, Richard, I think that we should remember that, uh, you know, the concept of shrinking the, the uh, conflict is not a new one. For about 50 years, uh, this concept is being promoted by, by Israeli uh, politicians. The one who, invite, who invite, invented this uh, idea was uh, Moshe Dayan. 50 years ago, uh, he spoke about, you know, uh, making, uh, uh, making the connections, the, the, the clashes between Israel and the Palestinians as minimal as possible and uh, giving the Palestinians as much uh, autonomy as, uh, as we can uh, supply. And I, I basically think that uh, this ongoing uh, discourse about shrinking the conflict can really uh, uh, provide Israel a short-term security. But on the long term, uh, it's a great threat for bo both uh, Israel and the Palestinian, Palestinians. Actually, this concept is channeling us, both peoples, to uh, a situation. It's not a solution, a situation of one state one entity between the, river, the, the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea. And I basically, personally, I think that this is the, the, the deepest nightmare of, of Palestinians and Israel. It can really uh, uh, put uh, threats on the idea of a democratic Zionistic Jewish state. And I think that both uh, peoples, and mainly the Jewish people in Israel, should be aware to this, uh, to this dynamic. Uh, we are talking about actually an unplanned 
uh, with no in uh, unplanned uh, uh, path, with no intention. And uh, I really hope that uh, in the future, uh, there, there will be a, a discourse, a very deep, uh, honest discourse inside the Jewish society in Israel about this, this issue and understanding that shrinking the conflict is not an alternative. You cannot really continue with, uh, with such a, a policy for a long time. It will uh, collapse uh, in the future. And after its collapse, the only alternative is one state, which, as I mentioned before, it's not a solution, it's a nightmare. Um, well, I wanted to ask you about kind of uh, practical steps forward. I, I, was, I noted you wrote, you, you wrote a recent op-ed um, and when you're talking about both the is Israelis and Arabs, um, kind of when they reflect on the events of 1948, to conduct a balanced and critical and open debate and not just cherry pick their own side's uh, suffering. How realistic do you this? And do you see any kind of uh, any processes underway in either Israeli or Arab society that could uh, that could start to, uh, to, to to kind of to meet this approach? Well, unfortunately, Richard, I think that as long as the political and the military uh, crisis conflict exists, there is a little chance that any critic uh, attitude will be developed mainly in the Palestinian side. In Israel, we're, we're, we're talking about, about this uh, uh, critic uh, attitude that exists for about 40, uh, 40 years. Uh, I mean, the uh, stream of the new historians, which uh, tried or, or try uh, for about four decades to describe much more balanced, the much more complex uh, picture of the of the past, and I think that without such uh, a, a deep, honest, complex uh, a, a way of thinking and a way of imagining the past, there will be no compromise. There will be no reconciliation between the the Palestinians and Israel. I think that uh, this. Uh, you know, um, uh, black and white picture uh, where only there is only one ongoing uh, innocent victim and one uh, criminal uh, side cannot really uh, be a base for, for dialogue, for discourse. I think that the Palestinians themselves should understand that 1948 was a very complex event. It included the, uh, their, their tragedy, the Nakba, but it also included uh, massacres uh, done by, by Arabs against Jews and also calls of the uh, Arab uh, uh, leaders to eradicate the Jewish uh, Yeshuv, the Jewish society in Palestine. And I think that without uh, such an understanding, uh, you know, they, they cannot be, there cannot be really a joint, fruitful, a discussion uh, about the future between the two uh, the two peoples. Thank you for that. I mean, if we just turn our attention to kind of to uh, internal Israeli issues, but stay focused on kind of the uh, the role of in, in Arab society. Um, one question in terms in terms of Israeli domestic policy: um, we next week will be the the one year anniversary of the coalition. If they uh, if they mm. get there, um, that's, that's a story. That's a story for another day. Um, <laughs> but um, but I wondered kind of what you would say, assess so far, one year in, what the, the Ram Party and uh, Mansour Abbas is able to present to the Hizar Republic as his achievement so far. Well, I think that at least for now, uh, Richard, the uh, strategic, strategic balance 
of uh, Mansour Abbas and Ram is relatively positive. When you are uh, looking at the, uh, when Arab citizens are looking at the, at the last year, they see some positive uh, uh, moves, such as the uh, reduction of about 35% in the rate of uh, casualties and, uh, and shooting events in the Arab sector in Israel. And uh, we must remember that this is the most important issue, the most important topic in the, in the eyes of the Israeli uh, Arab citizens. Uh, they, can also, uh, they can also witness uh, broader uh, budgets that uh, are channeled to the uh, Arab sector. And they can really feel that they have much more influence uh, about the, the national decision making, making uh, than in the past. But on the other hand, there are still a lot of problems. Uh, the uh, youth, the young generation, the, the Arab young generation is still in a very deep crisis. For about 30% of all the Arab uh, uh, young, uh, young uh, all the Arab youth between the ages of 18 to 24 has no job and has and, and is not involved in any any educational uh, frame uh, today. There, are the, there is the problem of the Bedouin population in the Negev, uh, which is, this problem was not solved at all. And there is also the problem of, of the, the Temple Mount. But I think that in the end of the day, much more uh, Arab civilians really understand that although Ram, although uh, Abbas's uh, vision is not ideal one, he's the only alternative right now because uh, if this experiment, if, if this vision will not be promoted, there is nothing uh, th that can really uh, be considered as the future or, or, or a future frame for Jews and Arabs in Israel, except clashes, tension, and alienation between uh, the two societies. Do you think, I mean, talking of the clashes, I mean, we saw this is also a year anniversary when we saw this very disturbing violence in the, in the mixed uh, cities within yeah. inside Israel. Has, has anything improved there? What, what, would you, what would you say has kind of changed a year on? Uh, things, I, 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 will, I will describe it in, in, the, in that manner, uh, uh, Richard. I think that in the mixed uh, cities, mainly in the Lud, Ramle and Acre, uh, there was an improvement, but, but, but a very limited one. When you, are, when you visit uh, such, a, such a cities, and I visited uh, them a lot during the, the last uh, year, you can really feel that both societies are standing, still standing on the path uh, of a volcano. You need only one spark in order to, to get back to, to May events. Uh, of, uh, of last year, the May 21. And mm. uh, you can really feel the tension, uh, feel the, uh, the fear, mainly fear of Jews uh, from, uh, from uh, another uh, explosion uh, that will take place in the Arab society against, against them. And, you know, I really, uh, when, I, when I speak with my friends, uh, uh, citizens from the Arab society, they describe uh, this, this uh, uh, situation, the current situation, as, as an historic uh, junction of both Jews and Arabs in Israel. If this experiment will fail, I think that we will find ourselves, Arabs and Jews, in much worse uh, situation 
comparing it to, to May events, May 21 events, it can be really uh, uh, bloodshed. It can be really violent, uh, broad, violent uh, clashes between citizens, not only between the police and the Arab society. And But if this experiment will succeed, I think that it can give hope for both societies about a much more improved, much better uh, way uh, of coexistence and much more stable uh, coexistence. And uh, as we described it before, Richard, Richard, everything depends on the political circumstances and the political conditions, which are, which are really unclear right now. Absolutely. I mean, that was that was a good note to leave it. But if I may, just one last question, because you mentioned yeah. the kind of the, the, the politics. Um, sooner, sooner, probably, or later, Israel will be going to another round of elections. Um, and it will be fascinating within Israeli, um, the Israeli Arab uh, community society to pitch the Ram party that were part of this government against um, Ahmed Tibi and Ayman Oder that stayed obviously out in the uh, in the opposition. How do you see that uh, that clash over support developing um, and kind of who do you think will, will win sway um, in the within the Arab population? Uh, it's a very good question Richard because right now you know the the, uh, the conflict between the two rivals in the Arab street joint list and Ram is much tougher than the the, uh, the conflict between the Jewish and the Arab uh, <laughs> societies here in Israel, and I think that uh, as we we will get closer to the date of the, the elections, this uh, uh, fight of accusations uh, will will be, will be very very tough, and I think that maybe the joint list challenge is even tougher than uh, than Ram's uh, because. The joint list uh, that preferred not to take place in any coalition and to sit on the fence and not, uh, you know, to be a part of uh, of the regime uh, has a very difficult target to prove that its own its own uh, strategy, its own policy of uh, waving nationalistic uh, slogans and uh, you know give uh, give priority to national and political considerations and not to a civil considerations is right. And uh, I heard a lot of uh, citizens, Arab citizens in Israel that really ask themselves and ask each other, what is the meaning of, of ongoing sitting on the fence? How can you really improve the current uh, situation of the Arab uh, society by this uh, policy? How can you really uh, promote coexistence with, between Jews and Arabs in Israel if you only or, or if you mainly wave uh, your national uh, uh, flag? And uh, is it really an alternative, uh, a feasible alternative uh, for, for most of the, the Arabs. Uh, and as I mentioned before, most of them do aware that the, the alternative of Ram, of Mansour Abbas, is not an ideal ideal uh, alternative, but they do understand that actually he's, he's the most uh, effective, uh, Abbas, he's the most effective leader and he can really bring hope or he can really bring a horizon to the uh, to the uh, Arab society, mainly to the uh, youth, to the young generation among the uh, Arab society. Fascinating. Thank you so much indeed for your time today. I'm well, sure we'll be back and uh, 
revisit these issues again with you in the future, if that's okay. Oh, of course. It will be my pleasure.